Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Good morning. It's good to be here with you today. If you have your Bibles, and if not, it's going to be on the screen, I'm going to be sharing with you this topic, redirecting me, redirecting me. And I told you, I, I've wrestled with what I was going to, to speak on today, and it's already 1123, and I probably have three hours worth of material here, and don't groan because I never preach that long, but I've got a lot of material that I want to share with you, but I'm going to make it as concise and as, as, as graspable as I can, because I want you to take away from this message something that will penetrate your heart and your mind, all right? So I want to work that way, and uh, today we're going to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. You know it by heart probably, right? Anybody know it before they show it on the screen? How many, just, just show of hands, how many of you know Proverbs chapter... Really? Okay, several of you. All right, good. It was a little slow there. I was like, all right. So there, there's a couple versions that we look at. Oftentimes when I'm quoting the Bible, and this, this doesn't come from a particular denominational preference. It just comes from my background and, and having used the King James Version. So I often memorize, or I did growing up, memorize the Bible in the King James. Anybody else do the same thing? I memorize the Bible in the King James. And so when I quote it, it's often the King James Version, not because that's what I prefer, it's just what I, what I memorized. Now, you may prefer the King James, and that's perfectly fine. I prefer the NIV when I'm reading, so oftentimes I will read the NIV, but then when I go to quote it, that's going to come from the King James Version. So when we look at this screen, it's going to be on the screen here, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, now the King James would say acknowledge, the NIV says submit to him, that is God, and he will make your paths straight. And that's what I want to focus our attention on. But what I want to do is I want to grab, I want to grab three words out of that passage of scripture, all right? Because I've, 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 when I was wrestling through this passage just one more time, because I've read it, and I've quoted it, and I've studied it, and I've preached about it, but I wanted it to be fresh and new. I want, I want to come at the passage from a renewed perspective and a renewed understanding so that it's alive for me. Because one of the things that I've been wrestling with lately, this is on a personal level, and that is trust, Right? You say, well, why are you wrestling with trust? You're supposed to be this, you know, this spiritual superman, right? Uh, no, no, that doesn't, that's not the way it really works. I've been wrestling with trust because giving, given this position and the weightiness, it, Dr. Dr. Jones has literally, he said it like this. It's like a lead vest. Is that what you said? A lead vest. It's a lot of weight. And I, I, when, I, when I assume this, over the years, I've been preparing to be in academic leadership. I've done this for the past, I don't know, 20 years or nearly. And as I was preparing for that, I, I always in my mind imagined it was going to happen a certain way. You, you ever have plans and you imagine it being a certain way? Anybody? Yep. Takers? Oh, come on. You have plans like, you know, your, your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend is going to be this and there's going to be fireworks. You know, I don't know what you imagine, but there's going to be, you know... Right? Or when you come to college, it's going to be a certain way, and my roommate's going to be the best roommate, and we're going to have the most fun, and we're going to be the best friends. 
You, you know what I'm saying, right? Or, or go back a little bit further, go back to when you got your driver's license, right? And you're like, when I get my driver's license, why well, I'm just gonna go here and I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna do this, and then you realize you gotta pay for gas and, it, and it's all different, right? You're like, oh, this, this, isn't, this isn't how I imagined it, right? Well, stepping into this role is not how I imagined it for a lot of reasons, right? My really good friend had an accident, which was really sad and very hurtful, and I, I was in New York City and I was up there trying to raise funds with, with, with David Finkley and just trying to work through the team and put things together from a EVP perspective, not a presidential perspective. And then I get a phone call at three o'clock in the morning. What? And I gotta hurry home. And I'm in this cab in New York City. Anybody ever taken a cab in New York City? I don't know what was wrong with this cab driver. <laughs> and if you're from New York, please don't take this offensively. So this is not intended for all New Yorkers, it's just this cab driver. I don't know what was wrong with her. Something was wrong with her because she was either drunk or asleep. And, and we had a wreck. Now this is my first trip downtown New York City and she runs into somebody. And I'm, I'm trying my best to make it to the airport because I got an important, I got to get back. I got to be there, you know. Thank, and she has a wreck and now she's out and they're, they're, they're discussing, I guess it was discussing, I don't know, yelling, whatever it was going on because she had run into this truck. And none of this was what I expected, right? And I get back here and none of the, none of the steps into the presidency or in this level of leadership was, was what I intended. And I began to wrestle with that word, trust. Anybody else? In fact, in my notes, and I didn't put it on the screen, for each of these words, I have literally put in capital letters, M-Y. My trust. My trust. I was being challenged <laughs> to trust God. Now, you don't know this about me, but I'm not the most trusting person. It's not easy to earn my trust because in the back of my mind, and sometimes it's a dangerous place to get inside my mind because I'm, I'm a little, is there any skeptics here? Let's, you know, just natural skeptics, right? It's like when somebody says something, you're like, mm, is that really the way it happened? I mean, I've even been guilty of doing that during testimony time in church, right? <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not diminishing testimonies, so don't, don't, don't go there. What I'm saying is, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, hmm, I wonder, did that really happen that way? Was it, did that, and, and I'm always a little skeptical. And so, and the reason I say that is because on the other side of that is the idea that I have to do things my way, and if, if, you, if you know me very well, you know I like everything to be one, two, three, and A, B, C, right? Everything has its place. If, if you get inside my vehicle, it's always clean. I, I like a clean vehicle, I like a clean house, I like everything to be just so-so. My wife says I'm spoiled, and I don't think I am, but maybe so. But I, I like everything to be very organized in my life, right? Very organized and very structured. And um, you know, if, if you were to follow me around, you, you find that I get my coffee at the same place every morning, generally from the same machine every morning, and I get in, unless I need gas, I get in my truck and I drive to work and I come to work and I go through the same routine. I'm very routine oriented. So when something gets changed, it just makes my skin crawl. I, I get really frustrated. And, and I now read this passage again and I begin studying it and I, and I see that word trust in the Lord or that phrase trust in the Lord. And I get, I get all worked up because I'm thinking, Lord, this isn't the way I planned it. 
This wasn't my idea of how this would work out. But then he just reminds me, you, you got to trust the Lord. And man, that's hard for me to do. My trust, I, I looked it up, and uh, once again, I'm sure you've looked up the definition of trust, but literally the dictionary says this, a firm belief in the reality and truth, ability or strength of someone or something, right? The ability to trust is, is a challenge for me. And when I began to read through this passage just one more time, it, it literally is saying to me that I have to trust the Lord, but Lord, I, I had other plans. I've, I've said this as a pastor for over the years. I, I've always told God that if he did it my way, it made all the sense in the world, right? Anybody else ever felt like that? If God followed your plan, it would be the perfect plan? No, nobody? Okay. I'm not arrogant, I promise you. But, but, but in my head, I always work out the situation in a way that God, if he would just follow my plan, would be perfect, he could take these steps and here's how it would work out and it would just be wonderful and there would be fireworks and all that, you know, but that's just not the way it works. And I have to step back from my plans, my desires, my wants, and my wishes because God's plan is far greater. God's plan is far greater than my plan. And God's plan is far greater than your plan. Come on now. God's plan is greater than your plan. It may not be what you planned. It may not be how you planned. But we can trust God. And here's what I would say. Is that, and, and, and I think I shared this with, with Dr. Dill. I shared this with several people in my conversations. We talk about trust. We preach about trust. And we encourage people to trust God. Right? Don't we do that? I mean, isn't that the thing to say, well, just trust God. He's got, he's got a plan for you, right? You've said that to somebody, right? There's about five of you who understand what I'm saying. Come on now. We, we tell people, oh, you just got to trust God. You got to trust him. He's going to work it all out until it happens to you or until it happens to me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it changes for me at least. Because now what does that mean? Trust God. What does that mean to trust him? How in the world can I trust him in the middle of this? You know, I, I, I really resonate with Ronald Reagan. He used to say this, trust but verify, right? And I, 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 it, just, it just makes sense to me to just be a little skeptical. But God is saying it doesn't matter if you're skeptical. It doesn't matter what you think or what you plan. Trust me, I got this. It means trust, according to one commentator, he says it means to leave no room for doubt. Can I trust God to that extent? Can you trust God to that extent in your life, setting aside all your plans and all your ideas and all your, saying, God, what is your plan for my life? Can you do that? What I have found personally is that God puts me in situations where I don't have control, where I have absolutely no control, and then the only choice that I have is that I trust him. But here's the consolation in this. The consolation in trusting God, so I'm talking about my trust, your trust, my consolation in this is that he, that is God, never fails. Okay? 
He never fails. And that's more than just a song. It's more than just a cliche or an idiom. It's literally a fact in my life. I can share with you that God has, no, has never failed me. No matter how much I struggle with trust, if I shut down my resistance and let him have control, he does have a plan that will work out if I but trust him. The second word I want you to notice is the word understanding, right? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then he says this, and lean not on your own understanding, my understanding, my perceived understanding, my bias and my desire and my wishes and my wants. That's part of that. My understanding, right? It's, uh, 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 Adam Clark put it like this. Let me, it's a little high English, but let me just share it with you exactly what he said. He said, it's on God, not thyself, or not on me, that thou art commanded to depend. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Self-sufficiency and self-dependence have been the ruin of mankind ever since Adam. The grand sin of the human race is their continual endeavor to live independently, independently of God. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I have done that because I want to understand. I want clarity. God, if you'll just but show me. And you know what I find? Sometimes he doesn't show me. Doesn't mean his plan isn't at work. I think sometimes what I confuse with God's plan is my understanding. That somehow I have to understand God's plan if it's going to be. And the reality is that I don't have to understand. I don't have to know. But he does say I have to trust. So in my trusting, it may mean that I won't understand. My need to understand gets in the way far too often. Those are my words. Here's the last word I want you to notice. And this kind of takes us a little deeper. Now, if you're reading the King James Version and you, and you memorize in the King James Version, you'll know that the word is acknowledge. In all thy ways, King James, in all thy ways, acknowledge. I was reading about that word acknowledge, that it in no way captures what the Hebrew writer was trying to say in acknowledge. Because when we say acknowledge, it's more, it comes across as more casual, right? There's a casualness of acknowledge. I acknowledge you. I acknowledge that you're students. I acknowledge that you're fac faculty and staff. I acknowledge that we're in chat, you know, just a casual acknowledgement. It's, it's not that. So the NIV translators actually use the word submit. Right? Submission. My submission. Right? And that is probably the hardest thing to do in this whole process, to submit. In all thy ways, submit to him. It is a deliberate choice to invite God into our everyday life and our everyday conduct. Can I say that again? It is a deliberate choice to invite God into our everyday life and conduct. Every day. Every day. 
I invite you, Lord, today into my life. It's, it's an intentional submission to God's will. Can you do that? Maybe you're not ready to do that. That's a big step, right? It's a really big step. It's a deliberate choice. It is to practice the presence of God in the regular and sometimes mundane things that happen in our life and even to the extremes. Dear God, and, and I'm sure, I, I know for me, I've, I've asked this question, I can't even tell you how many times I've asked this question. Are you there? Right? Are you there? Can you hear me? I'm praying. Nothing seems to be happening. And yet God hears. God understands. And then I began to question myself a little bit in this, in this development of, this, of these thoughts. So, you know, when you look at my trust and you look at my understanding, you look at my submission, right? Three, three key words in that passage of Scripture. And then I begin to wonder, why, why am I struggling in this area? Why do we as believers have a tendency to struggle with this concept, with these concepts of literally trusting God, literally understanding or, or setting aside our understanding and, and desire to understand, and literally being submitted to God? Why do I struggle with that? And I went to a passage of Scripture, and I actually was in my devotions this week and was studying it even before then. But in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, Isaiah writes these words. He says, the Lord says, he prefaces that passage with this, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth. In other words, they say things. And honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me. But it's based merely on human rules that they've been taught. Huh. That kind of stung a bit. Because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good about going through the motions. Anybody? You, maybe you don't want to own that, so I'll, I'll just own it for you. I, I'm, I'm pretty good about going through the motions. I come to worship, I can sing the songs because I got it in my, in my memory, right? And I can, I can raise my hand occasionally and, you know, I can say amen when the pastor's, you know, I, I can do all the, all the stuff. But what about when I'm called upon to trust God? Now, I'm not saying just as a word or a phrase or, or whatever. When I'm, when I'm saying that I'm really trusting God or I'm being called upon to trust God, or when I'm called upon to lay aside my understanding, or when I'm being challenged to submit to God. Why, why do I wrestle with that? These, these people here, they seem to have their act together, right? What you find and you read and you do the background study, they were actually trying to do stuff behind, God, behind God's back, so to speak. They were, they were consorting with the Egyptians, but they didn't think God knew, kind of in secret and, and doing, you know, behind the scenes stuff, well, God will never know. We can just keep worshiping him and he'll be satisfied with our worship, right? But I can keep doing the things that I'm doing over here. He won't pay any attention because I'm worshiping here, right? I, I know none of you ever go to church, right, hoping that God will just kind of glaze over your, 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 your sin, Right? No, nobody here does that. Right? We're, we're all highly spiritual. We're never going to hope God doesn't see the, the things that we do behind the scenes. He'll, he'll never pay attention. But let me just share with you, he does. And coming to church to worship when our heart's not right as nothing but a bunch of head knowledge and action 
that means nothing. They, I, there's three things you'll find in that passage. There's phony praise, there's forced procl- proclamations, there, it's a result of their rigid religion, syst- religious system. But then I began to think about it like this. What do we do in our lives? What do I do in my life that really is, is, is from my head or a result of what's going on in my head and not really learning to do things from my heart, from that sincere inner being? You see, we're, we're challenged, we're challenged to live a spiritual life while we're here at CIU, right? To grow in our faith, to be a part of chapel twice a week and community groups and, and come to, you know, all the spiritual events, right? We're being challenged to do that. But sometimes we miss the, the importance of having a personal relationship with God, right? And I'm not just saying that we said the words, but we actually are developing a relate. You say, that's important? Well, let me just share this with you. I, I was reading a story about a, a, an older man. He and his wife were, were, were at odds with each other, and it went on for some time. And so after some time of going through this, they decided it probably would be healthy if they went and got counseling. Okay, so they set up. They go get counseling. And they're sitting there, and, and the man has no reason why they're there, but he's done it because his wife has forced him. And he's sitting there, and he's just being belligerent like, you know, we guys can be. And he's just not expecting to get anything out of this. And, and the counselor looks over and, and asks him, so why are, you, why, are you, why are you here? And he kind of just shrugs his shoulders. Silence. Awkward silence. She looks at the wife and says, so you tell me why you're here. She says, well, he never tells me that he loves me. Well, that, that's pretty serious, right? Never tells me, tells you, tells you that he loves you. And he, and he looks at the counselor and he looks back at his wife and he said, I told you I loved you when we got married. And if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> that's not a very good relationship, is it? And I think sometimes in our minds, that's how we treat our relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I, I, made a, I made an initial commitment, right? I said the words that the pastor told me to say. I went through the motions of becoming a Christian. But I've never really worked to develop a relationship with him. This semester, this semester, let me challenge you to develop that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you don't have a personal relationship with God, it's hard to understand what it means to trust, what it means to set aside my understanding, what it means to submit. Those are going to be foreign terms to us if we don't understand the importance of a relationship with Jesus Christ every day. The second thing is, is that peer pressures will get us, right? Or not peer pressure, just pressures of life. And it's one of the, one on the list. Peer, financial, relational, attitudinal, all of it, right? Pressures can take over and cause us to diminish our relationship with Jesus Christ. Problems in life distract. Does anybody have any problems? How about priorities get distorted? How about poor development of spiritual habits? All of those things can contribute to having a poor relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me, let me share three things with you real quick as I'm closing. The first thing I want to challenge you with, take these three with you. I, I must have a personal relationship with God. I must have a personal relationship with God. You must have a personal relationship with God. Or the words submit, 
setting aside my understanding and submission will mean nothing. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second, I must seek to maintain a strong, I can't be like that guy. I can't just say I love you at the beginning and expect a relationship to flourish. I have to do things like read the Bible every day. Prayer every day. You say, I gotta do that? No, you, you get to do that. You want to do that in your relationship with him. Maybe you'll even go into fasting. Maybe you'll even go into fellowship with other Christians, whatever. But all the disciplines are important for you to be a part of in this semester, in this year. And here's the third and final. I must work to remove the hindrances that are holding me down. The Hebrews writer calls it like this. He says, the entangling sin. What are the things that are holding me down? What are the sins in my life that are holding me down? What are the sins in your life that are holding you down? He can bring deliverance. He can work in your life, but you have to work on developing that relationship. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this audience, students, faculty, staff. I pray God your blessings upon them. I wanna pray first for their protection throughout this semester. I wanna ask your God that you would work in our lives individually, that we would seek, that we would seek first your kingdom that we would work in developing that relationship that we need with you. And that, Father, as we are progressing through this semester, that we don't get caught up in just the mundane actions and toils of, of campus life and campus expectations, but that literally we will take time to develop and nurture that relationship. May we connect with those who we can be accountable to. And, Father, as we go through this particular day, may you be honored by our lives and glorified by all that's accomplished. And it's in your name that we pray these things and everybody said, amen. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.